Hello, and welcome back to All Rings Considered, a read-through The Lord of the Rings. Today we are on episode 39, that is book 4, chapter 6, The Forbidden Pool. And before we get started, uh, we just wanted to mention on air that this, Charlie, uh, marks, we've been doing this for 10 years now. 10 years? And uh, it's incredible. Incredible. Incredible we journey. We spent 9 years recording episode 1. And then we finally released it. And we thought, you know what? We've... We enjoyed that so much. Why not just do it yeah. once a week instead of once every instead of nine years? Like, I think we were doing like one sentence a week. Over yeah, those that's, nine that's years. why the first episode's a little rough. Yeah. Memories. It's hard to keep a train of thought. Yeah. You're doing one sentence a week. Um, so, yeah, we've been doing the rest of it ever since episode one. <laughs> <laughs> we've been doing that for a year. So it's also time to celebrate our year anniversary of the rest of the episodes right <laughs> um which is exciting yeah I've, I've, i you know what it's 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 a time for reflection it's time for me to think about how i've changed as a person in the last year since i started um recording podcast yeah do you want to do that privately uh or do you want to do that on air oh i was going to do it with my therapist <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know, so we'll talk. We'll talk. Uh, no, but it is exciting. Been doing it for a year. Um, yeah, life is good. It's good stuff. Good Heck stuff. I mean, I hope it's good stuff. I mean, it's a year's worth. Actually, I do have I don't a... know, good or bad. I don't know what you know, but <laughs> I have a success story for us. Um, you do so. Yeah, uh, a week ago, um, I introduced one of my friends to to the podcast, and she started oh. listening to it. You have um, a friend besides I, me. I, I have some friends, Charlie. Okay. Sure. <laughs> um, okay. And uh, and then a couple days later, she messages me, and she wants to borrow my copy of The Lord of the Rings. She hasn't read it in a long time, hasn't read it in English before, um, and uh, our podcast inspired her to to take up the uh, the journey. So, wow. I, I consider that a success. If one, you know, if just one other person reads mm. The Lord of the Rings. These ten years have been worth it. All of this will have been worth. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of which, today uh, we had a, a question last time. Today I am drinking uh, a brown ale. It is a sweet Josie from Lone Rider. It's a North Carolina brewery uh, in the great state of North Carolina. Wait, this was not actually submitted. We didn't get a question like this. We told people they should ask us this, and then they haven't, or have they? I'm I'm just gonna cut them off at the pass here. Uh, okay, but because um, you know they're thinking it, you know they're thinking <laughs> it and go ahead, give them, give them what they want. Okay, the Forbidden Pool, Chapter Six. Here we I go. Didn't say what I'm drinking. Uh, what what are you drinking, Charlie? I okay, so well, okay, this is the first time I figured ten years later I should mix something up because for ten years I've been drinking a Yingling every time I we record it's the same one an episode of this podcast. It has been the same Yingling, and I've taken like a sip each week for the last ten years. So I figured it's probably time to, to switch it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, tonight actually, um, I'm not. I don't have a Yingling. I have, as you can see here, uh, I have a Stella, mm. which is. It wasn't really mine, to be honest, and but I just had leftovers, so I am trying to finish those. So Excellent. I'll probably be back to the Yingling next week. Back but, to what uh, we know. Yeah. 
And then maybe I'll work on that one for the other 10 years. Who knows? It started tasting really bad. <laughs> well, here we go. Um, okay. The Forbidden Pool. So, in this chapter... Uh, Wait a Frodo... minute. This isn't Estella. This is the Yingling. It's just Forbidden <laughs> This chapter, Frodo discusses his favorite beer. His, that specific Yingling he's carried with him all the way to Mordor. Um, yes. So Frodo is woken up by Faramir, who says that he needs his advice. And so Frodo and Sam are led up through the caves uh, in some stairs uh, by Faramir. And they're led up to this ledge that overlooks um, a, uh, a waterfall that falls into um, a pool below. And there they see Gollum, and Faramir uh, has his men with their bows drawn, uh, and he asks Frodo if he should shoot Gollum. And Frodo reveals, no, you should not shoot Gollum. And uh, they have a little bit of discussion about this, and so the plan is that Frodo goes and retrieves Gollum and uh, has a conversation with him. And then one of Faramir's men grabs, grabs him, and they have a little court where Faramir eventually is convinced and gives Frodo and Gollum leave uh, to go as they will through these lands for, I think, a year and a day. Um, and then it ends with Faramir discussing how dangerous he actually thinks Gollum is to Frodo. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a pretty short chapter, pretty short. like, event-wise. It's just getting Gollum back in with, back with the gang, so to speak, since they got split up, but also giving us some nice, ominous foreboding that, ooh... Uh, this Carathongol is going to be not good. Yeah, but it's there's there's a couple interesting things happening in this chapter. I I like the I I like the sense of like they treat it like it's a complicated like legal issue. What's happening here? There's actually a lot of nuance to getting Gollum back with the group because Gollum has done something, which is that is stumble upon the Gondor secret hideout that he ought to be put to death for by gondor's law if somebody stumbles on that they have to be killed it's because they can't reveal that position mm -hmm. to anybody and Gollum could easily leak that and that's a fair point because okay right now Gollum's with frodo but we don't know how that's going to go we don't know how it's going to end that they should probably kill him but frodo has to have this kind of complicated thing about well okay but he's bound in service to me and you've promised to help me so we need to let him go and they do all this stuff where they sort of they do a lot of bowing and say, like, what's your judgment? And, like, if he's loyal to me, then you're loyal to me, and I'm loyal to you, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like they treat it like this really complicated legal thing, and I think that's pretty interesting. Um, there's a little bit of Tolkien's medieval literature background coming out here in a big way. Mm -hmm. If you ever read, like, medieval laws from, like, say, Anglo-Saxon England or any of those, like, Northern European cultures, um, they're big on the sort of, like, oaths and people making oaths and having relationships based on that. I think there's a little bit of like feudal relationships happening here too, or at least they're sort of alluded to, uh, specifically with Gollum and Frodo. There's a line about um, that Frodo essentially owes Gollum, and it says Frodo yeah. is the master and Gollum's the servant, but the master actually owes the servant the opportunity to, have, to to perform service. At least that's how I'm reading this. I'm trying to get the exact line here. Hold on, real quick. I've got um, it here. It's uh... it. yeah, yeah. Read that for me. Uh, but no, Gollum had a claim on him now. The servant has a claim on the master for service, even service in fear. So, yeah, I, I think this is kind of neat, kind of cool. And it that's the really the central driving force of this chapter, which is how are these two characters, who are both good people, Frodo and Faramir, 
They're both good people. How are they going to navigate this tricky gray area where they're going to have to take some some risks? <laughs> and, you know, how's that going to go? So I like it. It's a nice short chapter and was kind of a neat dynamic there. Yeah. And there's, you know, so just talking a little about theming, um, like not to stretch things too far, but there is a there's a pretty clear Christian theme here where there is mm-hmm. the judge Faramir who is Frodo is speaking on behalf of Gollum, who's this creature who is both good and evil and Frodo speaks for him. So Frodo yeah. playing the role of Christ who is, you know, quite exactly. literally bearing, you know, a, a heavy burden, right? Like absolutely either our sins, sins or you know, the sins of the, of middle earth essentially. Yeah. Right. But let's see what else. Um, there are a well, couple it, things but that, real quick on that note yeah. though of the Christian theming, I think coming out here too is that Frodo's tempted here. There's this moment, right, mm-hmm. when he's going down. So Faramir tells him, we have to shoot Gollum, but Frodo says, I can maybe bring him back up here so we can just capture him instead. Faramir says, okay. And Frodo's walking to that pool, and he thinks, though, like, I could be rid of him right now, right? I could get the men to shoot him. Yeah. And, I'm, and I don't have to deal with this guy anymore. He's, he gets tempted by that for this brief moment, and he does put it aside, but... It, it's a temptation and that's a uh you know common christian image of course and, mm-hmm. um you know christ tempted in the wilderness and this and that and having to resist it so yeah i think it's a very catholic kind of chapter coming out here on tolkien's end which by the way just to hint at something i do have a reader submitted question about tolkien's catholicism to get to at the end of this oh, great. episode yeah. so this is good it's a good chapter for this to kind of come up maybe yeah um i had a couple notes here just about some uh some small pros that I liked. Um, there is when Gollum is um, uh, at the pool and he is uh, catching fish. Um, he is described uh, with animal words, right? And so yeah. we often have this this question, right, of the book is how how much of a moral agent is Gollum? Is Gollum responsible mm-hmm. for his own actions? Is he uh, more like a beast? Um, but here, when it's described. Um, he, this is when he was being caught, um, actually, from Faramir's men was grabbing him. It says, he twisted round like lightning, all wet and slimy as he was, wriggling like an eel, biting and scratching like a cat. But two more men came up out of the shadows. Uh, Hold still, said one, or we'll stick you uh, as full of pins as a hedgehog. So there's this kind of like, there's a lot of like uh, uh, wordage um, to, to make Gollum seem more like an animal here. Uh, mm-hmm. just surrounding like in this interaction um, and I kind of want to mention something funny in this chapter is Gollum is fishing and he's caught by the men and he you know I just described how he was uh, completely distraught and, and flailing for his life and then when he's brought before Faramir um, it says that uh, a very miserable creature he looked dripping and dank smelling of fish he still clutched one in his hand and so I think that's actually really funny, right? Like he, mm-hmm. uh, he was like trying to escape, you know, his, with his life, you know, at, at all costs. And then he's brought before and he was just, he actually never let go of this fish. Yeah. Gollum can be kind of a funny character sometimes, right? Yeah. We've mentioned this before. That, I mean, how did Tolkien ever write these lines sometimes without laughing? I think that's kind of an instance. Um, only other thing I have to say about this chapter is that I like the, my favorite line. Uh, is close to the end and 
it wasn't until I got to this line that I, I it really hit me where we've been in this book because the line goes up and it's, it's Faramir speaking. He's talking to Frodo. He's saying goodbye. This is, this is it. You know, they're going to go their separate ways now. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, if ever beyond hope you return to the lands of the living and we retell our tales sitting by a wall in the sun, laughing at old grief, you shall tell me then until that time or some other time beyond the vision of the seeing stones of Numenor farewell. And he's just, he's, he's saying, Frodo, you can tell me the full story of Gollum somewhat, you know, mm -hmm. later, but we've been in such a bleak book, a really bleak book. And like book three had some bleak parts, but there's still a lot of this, you know, the golden fields of Rohan and there are a lot of bright spots. There have not been any bright spots, particularly in book four. It has been very much a downer and to have Faramir have this brief bit where he says, if ever after this, we get to come back and we can sit on a wall in the sunshine and, and, and retell these stories laughing at old grief to be able to laugh at our old grief mm -hmm. it's just this really nice powerful bright spot moment made all the more powerful by you know if you've read the book and you know that that doesn't happen that uh they're not going to be able to right at least in the end right i mean this is going to so change frodo that it's not going to happen yeah and you know something you're saying about uh the bleakness of of this book uh we talked about how the description is that way right so mm -hmm. uh in the previous chapters we get that just full force of tolkien's uh descriptive ability uh and yeah. it's 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 very powerful but there's also the there's also just the uh situations that that they face right so there's the themes of these chapters are themes that are um serious and and not good things in the sense of like they're these parts are these types of issues that they have to deal with are part of reality that they have to face that are not uh that are just unfortunate yeah right so there's this you know uh dealing with uh, with a creature who is lost um and uh having to reconcile um uh these laws and the judgment here um they're not they're not fun, <laughs> right? Uh, right. Yeah. Um, but let's see. Before we get to the question, for me, my uh, my favorite line here was from the beginning. I like the description of of the pool and the waterfall. And here it is: pale mist shimmered in the great veil below, a wide gulf of silver fume beneath which rolled the cool night waters of Anduin. A black darkness loomed beyond, and in it glinted here and there cold, sharp remote white as the teeth of ghosts the peak of arid nimerus the white mountains of the realm of gondor tipped with everlasting snow um and i think my favorite part here is just um uh, a wide gulf of silver fume uh to describe mm -hmm. the the waters coming up off of the the ground uh excellent a plus top notch landscape descriptions tolkien tolkien's all right with those back to back <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, so our question for this week, uh, I don't have it written down because I actually came, I was I was chatting with uh, somebody about the podcast in like a in on a phone call, and they had listened to an episode and they, they said they were asking about um, the reader had submitted a question about Gandalf um, when he was essentially resurrected and how he's stronger and we talked about this and I essentially had said well God did it I, we don't really have a better mm -hmm. answer than that. But it was one of these moments when Eru Iluvatar just interferes with the world. 
and says, no, I, I actually want to step in here and say that's not how it's going to go. And we had mentioned, I think, in the episode how rare that is. If we didn't mention it, let's mention this now. That's mm -hmm. a very rare thing. He almost never is involved. Um, Eru Luvatar essentially acts as a kind of deist imagining of how God works, right? The clockmaker. Right. Set the world in motion and then leaves it be. Um, he interviews it. He's not quite there because this God does interfere at these key times, but it's basically that vision. And so my friend asked, how do you reconcile Tolkien, hyper-Catholic, more Catholic than the Pope, writing a book full of Catholic themes, making the God in his book that kind of God, one that doesn't seem to interact, that doesn't seem to act directly? Uh, that was a great question. So I've been thinking about that question a lot today, and ultimately I think kind of where I'm landing on it is that Tolkien has made this mythology for i mean we, we, there's been a lot of talk about tolkien deliberately sort of trying to write and set out a greater mythology for england in making middle earth and i think the key word there is mythology that he was trying to make mythology not history and so while middle earth is supposed to be some kind of fantastical imagination of the real world it's not actually history right there might be echoes of history in it but it's not it's myth and when you read more broadly Tolkien in sort of the like milieu that he worked in at Oxford with his peers and his contemporaries there, people like C.S. Lewis, who have said stuff, um, stuff like this more explicitly, there's a sense among that broader community um, that like Christianity is kind of just the one true myth and the rest of the myths are sort of echoes of it. They have truths to them but they it's like they're not quite getting it right right they'll get some parts right and then a bunch of it wrong mm -hmm. and i think if you look at this mythology through that lens for tolkien that i think can fit in the, the sort of deist god like this is something they got wrong right like this is there's an echo of it in that there are all these sort of themes from christianity coming up in this mythology but it's not the exact thing and because it wouldn't be because it's not christianity itself um which was to Tolkien's eyes, the only one that got it right, totally, hundred percent. So I think that 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 to me would be the sort of the reconciliation there, uh, if you if you want. But yeah, I think that's a really good question. I'm going to keep thinking about that and chewing on it. And um, but yeah, I think I think that's how Tolkien was comfortable with it. Would have been okay with it. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. Well, All right. um, next week we got episode forty. Four zero. Next week, four zero, and what's the chapter name? Journey to the Crossroads. Journey to the Crossroads. Wow, I just said Journey to the Crosswords. It's not that. <laughs> um, Journey to the Crossroads, episode forty. Fantastic. Next time, looking forward to it. We'll see you then. See you then.